1 Corinthians chapter 4, and thank you for that wonderful special on the piano and the wonderful singing this morning. You know, singing always prepares your heart to receive the Word of God, and so we're very excited to do that every week, and I'm so glad that you were able to uh, sing so well this morning. Our passage will be 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. Four. And while you're turning there, let me just uh, say, I, I meant to do this in the announcements, but uh, February 4th, the first Sunday in February, is going to be our Friend Day. This is the first time we've ever done this here at our church, and we're very excited about it. There's a flyer there in your bulletin, and uh, we want you to get real excited about it. Uh, uh, invite a friend to come. That's what Friend Day is all about, inviting a friend uh, to come to church that Sunday. We're going to have a special uh, Sunday that's geared exactly for them, and uh, we want to do our best to invite as many friends as we can to there. If you're saying, well, I, I just don't have a whole lot of friends, well, let me encourage you with something. This this past week, uh, uh, Rochelle uh, took uh, took the boys to uh, to some park there in, in McAllen, and uh, we don't have a whole lot of friends ourselves that are outside of the church that are not already here, and uh, and and as they were playing, this, uh, this other little boy came and, and started playing with them. And uh, the boy's parents were there, and, and uh, she began to, they actually began to talk to her, and, and they happened to be Filipino, so there was a connection there. And, uh, and, and then they were able, after talking for a little bit, she was able to get their information, and, and uh, she was all excited when I got home. She was like, I, I have a friend for friend day. I said, awesome, since you have no other friends. I guess it's good to just, just go to, the, I'm joking, she's got plenty of friends. But going to the park, if there's someone, even at a park, you can, you can make friends with somebody and invite them to friend day. They're, they're going to love it. They're absolutely going to love it here. And so I want to encourage you uh, to do that. Find a friend and invite them uh, this, uh, this uh, next coming month, all right? February 4th is going to be friend day. It's going to be awesome. So please do your best to do that, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, and we're just going to read the uh, first five verses, and that's where we're going to get our message this morning. And we're going to continue with the theme of answering the call, answering the call. We talked last week about answering the call to follow Christ, and uh, this morning we want to talk about answering the call to faithfulness. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, uh, 1 through 5 is we'll be, where we will be reading. And uh, if you still don't have the notes, you can just raise your hand and the ushers can uh, get some for you if you need them. And, uh, and that will be great. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. In fact, before I read this, I know I'm delaying this, I'm sorry. Uh, but let me, uh, I, I do want to ask, because I meant to ask this also in the announcements, but uh, we are looking to do a digital format of the notes, all right, which means we'll put it in, on, a, on an app or somewhere where you can uh, fill it out on your phone or a tablet. How many would be interested and say, I'd like to just do it that way off, uh, instead of having a piece of paper, I'd rather have it digitally, all right, on my phone. Just raise your hand real quick. I just want to get a quick count uh, just to know how many bulletins less to print next week, and that way we can do that. We want to get it done by next week, and... Um, that would be great. Okay, so almost most of us in here. So that, that's great. Uh, I just wanted to know that just because that's where we want to move to. That's what we want to get to. And, uh, and some like it on paper better. And uh, so we want to provide both. But we want to just make sure that there's interest in the, in the digital format as well. So we'll have that next week for you. And we'll announce how you can find them next week. All right, now let's get to the passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It says like this, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, 
it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. And Father, there's so much here in this passage that we can learn. And I pray that this morning as we learn some truths about faithfulness, that you would help us to understand them this, this morning, that your spirit would uh, not only help us and guide us to understand it, but then to apply it, to empower us to live out the principles that we learned this morning. I pray, Father, that uh, your spirit would fill me, that I would be able to communicate clearly the message this morning, uh, and that it would uh, be something that would be an encouragement for many here, that it would be something that would uh, help them uh, have growth, spiritual growth in their life. And, and I ask that you would work now during this time. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, the city of Corinth is located about 45 miles southeast of Athens. Athens is a, a city that may, many of us would maybe know through our history books. It's one of the uh, great cities of Greece. But Corinth was also one of these kinds of cities. It was one of the bigger cities uh, at the time when Paul was writing this letter. In fact, it's the only city that, that lies right in between the Aegean Sea uh, that's on its east and the Ionian Sea on its west. And, and because it was right in between these two seas, it was a city that was known for its commercial wealth. There was a lot of trading there, but also because of that location, not only to have a lot of commercial trading and a lot of wealth, but it was also a military town. Okay, There was a lot of military presence there for the Roman government just because uh, it was a city that could be obviously attacked by either of those uh, uh, invading armies that would want to come in ships. And so uh, the Roman uh, army would have uh, soldiers there stationed in Corinth as a place where they could protect uh, that area of their empire. But the city of Corinth was also not just something that was a military city and something of a, a wealthy city, but it was also known as a city that was a idol-worshipping city. In fact, the temple of uh, Aphrodite is there in Corinth, or was, and just at that temple alone, there was a thousand harlots just in that temple alone. Now, this just speaks to the moral decadence that was there in that city. It was a city that was not known for being very moral. It was not known for being a city that was very ethical. Uh, it, was, it was just known as a, as a port city there that would have a lot to offer for those that would just want to come by. If you wanted to, to get your business started, you could go to the city of Corinth and you'd have a lot of people trading. It'd be a, a way to get your, uh, your product on a ship and get marketed uh, to, the, to the east side. Or the west side of the world. And so Corinth was located in that kind of uh, position. It was a, a city that was uh, morally, like I said, decayed, uh, a city that was engulfed deeply in uh, idolatry, in worshiping idols. But it was also a city in which the Apostle Paul was called by God to start a church. Uh, despite uh, the, the, the condition of that city, 
the Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of God, was filled to go to this place and begin a church, to plant a church there. And it was in that first year, Paul was there for about uh, 11 months or so, and in that time he was able to establish a church there in the city of Corinth before finally the authorities there in Corinth got tired of what was going on and they didn't like the ministry that Paul was, having, uh, was doing there and, and they asked him to leave and not in any uh, certain terms other than either you leave or we'll take your life kind of thing. And, and so uh, Paul ended up uh, being moved by the Spirit of God to go from there to another city. But in that first year he was able to establish the city of Corinth, uh, the church there, I should say, of Corinth. But during that time, after he left for about three years, uh, the church of Corinth began to, to do well, to reach people. But uh, there was a time there where their stand began to wane. There was a time there in the church of Corinth where uh, suddenly, since they were surrounded by such worldliness and they were surrounded in their city by so much uh, sin, that that sin began to creep inside into the church. Suddenly, problems of jealousy and immorality and worldliness began to sort of define the people in the church at Corinth. So Paul decided that he would write a letter to the church at Corinth. And this is the letter that we know as the book of 1 Corinthians. It was a letter that Paul wanted to write to them to address a lot of the problems that were beginning to creep in into the world. In fact, in, into their church. And one of those problems was the problem of carnality. Now, carnality is the sin of putting myself and my thoughts and my desires above what God says and what God's thoughts are and what God desires in our life. Carnality is defined as that, as saying, I, I want to put what I think above what God thinks. I want to put uh, uh, what I want to do above what God wants to do. Now, this sin began to be fleshed out there in the church of Corinth by the way they were acting towards one another, by the way that they were, they were looking at things, and, and that by the way they were letting their pride come through what they were doing. Now, if you read a little bit of chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, you'll find that uh, the people there at Corinth begin to, to say, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm of, of, of Paul, and, and Paul was the one that reached me. I was here from the founding of this church, and I remember Brother Paul, and he was the one that reached our family, and, and, uh, and I don't know if Paul would do what you're saying, so I, I, I'm just of Paul, and, and whatever Paul says, I'm going to do. Paul is, is way up here. And then others were saying, well, Paul's a pretty good man, and, but I came here a little bit later, and, and I, I got saved through the ministry of a man by the name of Apollos, and, and Apollos was a great man. He's a great teacher of the Bible. I like the way he preaches, and, 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 and to me, it really doesn't matter what, what Paul was saying. I, I, I'm of Apollos. This is who I came from. He's, he's the one that led me to the Lord, and, and he's the one I think I'm just going to follow. And then you had other people that were saying, well, I knew Peter. I was in Jerusalem at one point, and, and Peter was the one that witnessed to me, and, and, and Peter got me, uh, shared with me the gospel, and, and I just followed Peter, and Peter's the way to go. And so each one of these members there at the church of Corinth began to sort of choose in their own uh, choosing with their own pride and their own carnality who they were going to follow and who really was important. And it was something that, that Paul saw as a big problem. It was something that Paul saw as something that was, they were faithful to a man. I'm faithful to Paul. I'm faithful to Apollos. I'm faithful to Peter. That's who I follow. That's who impacted my life. That's the only people I follow. That's the only guy I'm going to follow. And Paul said, there's a problem there. There's a problem to have faithfulness to the wrong thing, to the wrong person. But it makes us ask the question, then what is faithfulness? What is faithfulness to, to God? You know, I heard this story of this lady that was... Um, 
she was driving and and she was going a little bit late to where she was going and she was a little bit stressed out because of that and and she's following this guy in her car and and uh, as she's following him they get to a red light and and it was on yellow and if the guy would have just you know floored it a little bit they both could have made it but as a semi-responsible driver right he he began to slow down at the light and she got so mad she was thinking if if you would have just accelerated you could have made it i could have followed you and i could get there on time to where i'm going but she got so mad about him slowing down at that red light on the yellow that she started honking her horn she started yelling at him she was telling him all these kinds of names and she was she was just just beside herself as to what he just did. And, and after a while of doing this for a few minutes, uh, finally she heard a tap on her window. And she turned and, and saw a police officer there. And the police officer, of course, asked her to get out of her car. And uh, he uh, asked her for ID. And then he cuffed her. And then he put her in the, uh, his uh, patrol car and took her down to the station. They did her fingerprints. They went through her ID. And they stuck her in his cell. Well, about three hours later, he comes back and uh, an officer comes and, and gets her out of that uh, out of that cell where she was at and takes her to the officer that arrested her and and uh, the officer said I, I'm so sorry ma'am I, I made a mistake he said you see when I pulled up behind your car you were blowing your horn you were flipping the sky off you were cursing at him you were you were doing all these things and and I noticed that on the bumper of your car it said what would Jesus do and then I noticed that it said, choose life on your license plate. And I, and I noticed that you had another sticker that says, follow me to Sunday school. And then, of course, there was a, a chrome little plated fish on the back of your, of your car. And naturally, because of what you were doing, I thought, this lady must have stole this car. That cannot be hers. <laughs> you know, sometimes if you're not careful, we can say one thing but do something totally different. Sometimes as Christians, we, we can think that we are being faithful to God, but in reality, we're not faithful at all. And one of the problems that was at the church of Corinth was that very thing. These, uh, these Christians were thinking, well, I'm, I'm faithful to God. I'm following Peter. I'm following Apollos. I'm following Paul. And Paul is writing to them and saying, you know, that's not really faithfulness at all. He said, I, I want to. Uh, I need to write to the, the, the church at Corinth and explain to them what it means to be faithful. And this morning, I want to learn some, uh, some truths about what it means to be faithful to God. In your notes, I want you to notice that the first truth we must realize or that we must understand is a realization of our responsibility. A realization of our responsibility. You see, in verse number, four, uh, verse number one of chapter four, Paul writes this. He says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. You know, being faithful begins by an understanding of who we are and what we are. As Paul is addressing this problem of people just being faithful to whoever led them and, and whoever they wanted to choose, Paul begins to help them understand, listen, you need to have a realization of the responsibility that you have of, of being aware of who you are. You see, he starts with the fact that uh, they had a wrong understanding of who they were. They had a wrong understanding of who Paul and Apollos and Peter were. 
They were putting them in a plateau where they did not need to be. They, they were looking at them as, as people that, hey, that they're the ones. You have to follow one of them. You have to choose which one you're going to go after. And, and Paul was trying to help them understand as he writes uh, this in the letter of 1 Corinthians. He's trying to help them understand, listen, it's not about Paul, and it's not about Apollos, and it's not about Peter. It's about something greater than just one man like that. The, the faithfulness is more than just that And so uh, he wants them to understand, first of all, if you're going to realize this, if you're going to have this understanding in your life, that first of all, you must change your outlook. Paul tells him, listen, you can't look at Apollos and, and, and me and Peter as something that we are not. Listen, we are the same as you are. We have been saved by grace. He says, listen, I want you to take an account of us understanding this. We're just ministers of Christ. Right? That's who we are. We're not something like uh, way above you. Like this, this Christian is, there's different levels of Christian and he's at the top level of Christianity. No. Every Christian has been saved by grace. Every Christian has the spirit of God indwelling in them. And so Paul says, I want you to understand that you need to change your outlook. You need to understand that we are all ministers of Christ. In fact, uh, you'll, you'll notice in the second letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the second letter that Paul wrote to them, I want you to notice what he wrote. He said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's salvation. He says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us, it says, the ministry of reconciliation. Paul says, listen, you got to look at us that we are ministers of Christ. But let me tell you something, you uh, Christians at Corinth, you also are ministers of Christ. You also are called to be ministers of reconciliation. It's important to, to understand this morning. If I am going to be faithful to God, I must understand there is a responsibility that I have as a Christian. It's not only what Apollos has, and it's not only what Paul has, but it's also a responsibility that I have. Faithfulness to God begins with a realization that there is a responsibility that we have. That we're not serving some man above us. We are serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That our ministry is not a ministry about us and see how, how much we can prop ourselves up, but a ministry to serve Christ. And so Paul says, I want you to understand, you need to change your outlook. Change your outlook of who you think we are. Change your outlook of who you think you are. You're not just some lowly Christian that just sort of comes. Listen, God has called each and every person in this room to be a minister for him. God has called each and every one of us to be faithful to him. So faithfulness begins there. But then faithfulness to God begins as you change that outlook and recognize that you are the minister and the ambassador of Jesus Christ. That's where it's going to begin, that realization of that. So you've got to change your outlook, but then you also need to change your role. You see, uh, Paul says not only that we are ministers of Christ, but he says, and stewards of the mysteries of God. You see, <clears throat> Paul reminds them that he is a steward of what God has given him. You say, well, what is a steward? A steward is basically someone who manages the affairs or the property of somebody else. All right? Uh, there's many of us that are stewards at our businesses, right? Uh, you're a manager or maybe you're a cashier or uh, you're a salesperson, and, and, and the business is not yours, all right? You're not the owner of that business, of that employment, but that person that is employed, that owner has given you a job and to look after the affairs that they have in that business, right? 
You know, God does the very same thing for you and I. God has made us stewards. We are to, to, uh, to be stewards or people that are looking for the affairs and manage the affairs of God in our life. It is a charge that is serious. And it is supremely important. It must be the priority of your life. Being a steward of God it ought to be the most important thing in your life. The most important thing that you can do. You see, our role this morning is not a business manager, and it's not a contractor, it's not a school teacher, it's not a truck driver, but our role is a steward of God, a steward of God that works as a manager at a business, a steward of God that contracts uh, from Monday to, 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 to Sunday, and a, a, a steward of God that is a school teacher, a, a, a steward of God that drives a truck. You see, there's a difference there in the role in which you're seeing yourself. If you look at yourself, well, I'm, this is what I am. I, I'm a contractor, and, and then on Sundays I'm a steward. Then you're going to find yourself not being faithful to God. You see, someone that's going to be faithful to God is one that understands, listen, my role for God is to manage his affairs. That's the most important thing I can do with my life. It's not getting to the top of the ladder and being the president of, my, of, of the company. That's not the top in God's eyes. That's not what makes you faithful to God. But understanding, hey, I am a steward of what God has given me. I need to make God the priority in my life. You see, faithfulness comes as we correct our outlook and, and begin to uh, uh, see our role as something different. When we see our role as stewards of God. That's why First Peter 4.10, Peter wrote this. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know what Peter was telling those Christians? He was saying, listen, you are stewards. God has given you a ministry, and you ought to steward that. Can I just give you a, co a, a couple of quick applications about that? You know, for some of you here this morning, God has given you a Sunday school class. You ought to steward that Sunday school class correctly. Uh, for some in this room, uh, God is going to give you a ministry of ushering. Listen, you ought to steward that ministry correctly. As a steward, you ought to say, hey, that is my priority. I want to be faithful to God. Faithfulness is realizing that I am not just this or I'm not just that worker over here. I'm a steward of God, and I have a ministry to do for God. That's where faithfulness begins. So many times I fear that in our churches we have an idea of faithfulness of just coming to church. Well, I come to church every week. I come Sunday morning and I come Sunday night. And, and we act like that's being a steward of what God has given us. But, you know, sometimes it's sort of like thinking this way. It's sort of like thinking that when you're sick, you go to the doctor and say, hey, doctor, you ought to be happy. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm sick and I'm coming to you. You ought to be pretty excited about that. The doctor's thinking, listen, you're coming to me because you're sick. You need my help. <laughs> when we come to church, we're coming because we need God's help. God's not getting something out of our presence here. No, no, we're, we're coming to get what God has for us. But let me just say, after that, you ought to be a minister of what God has given you. That's what Paul was telling them. Paul says, listen, you've got to understand that God has given us a ministry, and I'm a steward to give those mysteries that God has given to me, those truths that God has given to me. You say, your responsibility is when I get back to, uh, to work tomorrow, i got to be faithful to God. Why? Because he's called me to be a minister and a steward. 
So that first step of being faithful is realizing our responsibility. But then I want you to notice, secondly, if you're going to be faithful, you're going to have to have a requirement that goes with that responsibility. Paul tells them in verse number two, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. There is a requirement of that responsibility. The word there, faithful in the Greek, is the Greek word pistos, which means trustworthy. So in other words, to be faithful... Not only do you have to understand your role and understand that you have to change your outlook, but you have to understand that to fulfill that, you have to be trustworthy. God says it's imperative that you are faithful. In other words, God says, I cannot use someone that's not trustworthy. I cannot use someone that I cannot trust to do what needs to be done. You see... Uh, trustworthiness requires trust in what we do. God needs to be able to trust that what I ask my child to do, he will do. That's how you're going to gain trust. That's how you're going to gain more of that responsibility when you understand, hey, I got to do what God has asked me to do. You know, I have found that uh, what you do in your work matters, right? Uh, You'll get up tomorrow, get showered, you'll get to your, your workplace, And I have found that if you don't do what you're getting paid to do, it won't be long before you're not getting paid to do it anymore. They'll just let you go. Why? Because what you do matters. (laughs) What you do for that company matters. What you do in that school matters. What you do matters. Now, listen, God is looking for those who will be trustworthy to do what he's asked them to do. Faithfulness isn't just saying, well, I, I, I really love the Lord. That's, that's great, and I'm glad that you do, and you ought to love the Lord. But faithfulness is understanding, listen, God's made me a minister, and then he's asked me to do something. Am I doing it? Am I going and fulfilling what God has given me to do? Can I ask you this morning, can God trust you to get done what needs to be done? You say, God has given us the stewardship of sharing. He says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's been the commandment that he has given us. That should be our priority. Let me ask you, he's given you that stewardship. Are you stewarding it right? Are you sharing it with someone? You know, he's given us the stewardship of money. God provided a job for you so that you can have money. Well, why did God give you money? So you could be a steward of it. Let me ask you something. How have you been doing in the stewardship of your money? How was 2017? Have you been using your money for what pleases God or for what pleases you? Sometimes I want to be faithful to God than be a good steward. That's faithfulness. Be someone that God can trust to get the job done. God has given us the stewardship of talents. It was amazing to see on, on Monday night a a, uh, a freshman quarterback for the University of Alabama win the game, basically, for that team. But if you, if you watched long enough for the interviews right after the game, he said it on every interview. I watched him. He, he, he interviewed like three or four different people from different networks. And every time he said, well, I just want to start by saying I want to give all the praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every time, every interview. Now, what was he doing? He's just trying to be a steward of his talent. 
He's just saying, listen, I, 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 this ability that I have to throw a football and to, and to do well, that's great. And, and I'm glad that God's given me some of that ability and that talent. But he's not doing it so I can have my, my glory and so that everybody can say how great of a football player I am. I think he's given me this talent so I can be a steward and let others know, hey, Jesus has saved me. Hey, these cameras are in my face and the microphone's right here in front of my mouth so that I can praise and glorify God. He's just being a good steward. That's faithfulness this morning. What we do is important if you're going to be faithful. But I want you to notice not only what we do, but how we do it. Booker T. Washington said, Excellence is to do a common thing in an uncommon way. You know that the Bible challenges us to do things in an excellent manner. That word pistos has the idea of not only being trustworthy to do what needs to be done, but to do it in the best way possible. Faithfulness is not sufficiently satisfied with simply what we do, but how we do it. God wants us to do what we do for him with excellence. So as good stewards, then, we're to serve with excellence in what he gives us to do. That means, hey, when I give, i got to give with excellence. When I share the word of God, hey, i got to do it with the best of my ability, with excellence. You see, uh, all of this, our, our homes, our money, our children, our time, are all to be handled in a trustworthy, faithful manner. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling those Christians at Corinth. He said, understand, your ministers, your stewards, and because you have that responsibility, there's this one requirement. you got to be trustworthy. God's called each and every one of us to be faithful, but you can only be faithful if you're trustworthy. If you're willing to do things in an excellent manner. Philippians 1.10, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. You know what Paul was trying to teach those Christians at Corinth? He said, hey, Forget trying to be faithful to me and quit trying to be faithful to Apollos and quit trying to be faithful to Peter. Understand something. I'm not the one that called you. You're not a steward of mine. You're a steward of Christ. And just like we are stewards of Christ, he's called you to be stewards. Just like we have a ministry, God has given you a ministry. And just like I got to be faithful in what God has called me to do, you ought to be faithful in what God has called you to do. Paul says, moreover, it is required of a steward that he be found faithful. We must realize that faithfulness is a realization of our responsibility that comes with requirement to that responsibility. But I want you to notice, lastly, a relentless pursuit of his praise. If you're going to be faithful, and I'm talking about being faithful to God, then you're going to have to have a relentless pursuit of his praise. You see, God, uh, Paul goes on to explain to the church at Corinth that it is also important that in order to be faithful, we must pursue Christ above all else. You'll see in verse number 3 and verse number 4 and verse number 5, Paul is dealing with criticism that has come his way. Along with, well, I follow Apollos and I follow Peter. They at the same time were also criticizing, oh, you follow him. Oh, you see, that's, what, that's what's wrong with that. You know, anytime you're trying to be faithful to God, criticism will come. Criticism always comes when you try to serve God. 
And I wish I could say that criticism only comes from people that hate the church and hate Christianity and hate Christ. But you know, sometimes criticism comes from those that, that you thought were very close to you. Those that you would call friends. Sometimes you'll find that criticism and difficulties come from those that used to walk with you and used to go on that same path that you're going, but no longer are going that way. You see, Paul is telling them, listen, there's a lot of criticism when you're going to serve God and be faithful to him, but you ought to just remember, hey, I'm not following them, and I'm not following just a man. I am following Christ. He is the one that I am pursuing. That's why Paul tells them this. He said, just understand that when they judge you, listen, there's no one to judge you. There's one that ought to judge you, and that is Christ. He is speaking about motives here. Do you know the motive for why you are faithful is important to God as well? It's not just, well, I do this, and I come on Sundays, and I help, and I, and I, and I do my best there uh, teaching the class, and I'm glad you do, and I, and I hope you serve God with all you've got. But let me just say, what is the motive for why you're doing it? Paul says, I want you to understand, as you're being faithful to God, as you are fulfilling your role as a steward, you ought to be one that is going to have the right motive. Because it won't be long before criticism comes. And if your motive is, well, I just want people to like me, then you're going to quit being faithful to God. And if uh, if your motive is just, well, I hope people look and take notice of what I'm doing, you'll cease to be faithful to God. It won't be long because you're going to find that not everybody really uh, sees what you're doing as something great, even though God does. That's why you got to take your eyes off the Apollos and off of the Pauls and off of the Peters around you and just put your eyes on Christ. So how do we do this? First of all, maintaining our focus on Christ. Verse 4, he said, For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judges me is the Lord. The Lord. you got to maintain that right focus on Christ. Right motives always begin with right focus. Living a life that is faithful to God is never easy, but it's a life uh, that goes, because it's a life that goes in direct contradiction of the world, okay? It's going to go against what the world wants you to do, and it's going to go against what your flesh wants you to do, and and it's going to go against what the criticisms say. And it's so important that you say, i got to just maintain a right focus. I got to maintain a right focus on Christ. You say, in fact, in, in 2 Timothy 3.12, I think it's in your notes, yea, the Bible says, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And Paul says, I, I, I want you to understand that there is there's a persecution that comes from being faithful. There's criticisms that come from being faithful. So what do we do then? Maintain your focus on Christ. Paul wrote in in Hebrews, well, somebody in Hebrews wrote, I think it was Paul 12, verse 1 and 2, says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And he says, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. He's trying to paint the picture here. As stewards, we've got to keep moving forward. And then he writes in verse number 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If you're going to maintain a right, faithful uh, life to God, if you want to say, man, am I being faithful to God? Well, let me just ask you, where's your focus today? What is your motives today? Are your eyes on Christ or is it on somebody in the church? 
There are many that are not here in 2018 sitting on these pews because, you know, they got their eyes on people on the pews. And they said, well, so-and-so said something, and he sits in that church, and he goes every Sunday. And if that's the way the kind of people they are, then I don't want to go there. And Paul said, listen, that's a wrong motive. Who are you being faithful to, the person in the pew, or are you being faithful to Christ? Because if you're going to be faithful to Christ, you're going to have a right focus on him. Then I want you to notice, lastly, not only a, a maintaining a right focus on Christ, but then having a spirit of unity. Having a spirit of unity. As I said before, not everyone that criticizes you is always going to be those that are against you and against the Bible and against the church. Sometimes it was those that are there with you. Paul begs and implores the Christians at Corinth to stop judging one another. Why don't you try this? Let's just unify. Instead of trying to divide and say, oh, I'm with Apollos and I'm with Peter and I'm with Paul. Hey, let's just, let's just come together. Let's understand, hey, we're serving the Lord. He is our focus and we can all agree on that, can we not? Then let's go together in that. Let us unify in that. Listen, being faithful has that idea. Being faithful to God has this truth. My pursuit is Him. God says, listen, it's not our job right now to judge what everybody else's motives are. What we need to judge is what are our motives. He says, why? At the very end of verse number 5, He says, why? And then He says, shall every man have praise of God. You know what? You know what kept Paul so faithful? It wasn't the praise of people because as he writes here, people were criticizing him. And it wasn't the easy life or the Christian life because he said if you will live godly, there will be persecution. He was in jail multiple times. He was beaten multiple times. What keeps a man going back for more after being beaten? After being kicked out out of city after city after city? What keeps a man faithful? I'll tell you, a pursuit of Christ. You know what, what Paul said? He said, so that way on that day, Christ will, will look at me. And that day I shall receive praise of God. God shall say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Trustworthy servant, good steward of what I gave you. See, answering the call to faithfulness is understanding that we've been called for something. That requires us to be trustworthy. That requires us to pursue Christ above all things. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know, there in the city of Corinth, there in the middle of the city, uh, there was their courthouse. And they, the way that they would do in their courthouse and design it, they had one big chair. They called it the Bema seat, also known as the judgment seat. And the judge would sit on that seat and people would come from the city and give their lawsuits and give whatever that they were talking about there. And the judge there would rule in favor of one or the other. That's where he sat to rule what was done. And it's there that Paul uses that picture 
and says, let me remind you something, Church of Corinth. You know this because you've seen this in your city. You've seen it on the nice market square. There was marble floor, that nice big seat where the judge sits and judges. He said, I want to remind you that one day we will be there. And this ain't going to really matter if you were following me or if you were following Apollos or following Peter. All that's going to matter on that day is were you following Christ. All that's going to matter on that day was, are you faithful? Now, I didn't say, moreover, is required of a steward to have talent, to have success, to have money, to have your own business. No. All that's required is to be faithful. And you know what? Everybody in here can be faithful. We don't all have the same talents, and we don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same bank accounts, but we all can be faithful. And that's the goal. See, the call this morning is to be faithful. The question is, will you answer that call? In the 80s, during President Reagan's uh, presidency, one of the saddest times was on a Sunday morning when a terrorist decided to bomb the Marine barracks there in Beirut, Lebanon. Many were killed in that bombing, and others were just injured very badly. One man by the name of um, Jeffrey was wounded very bad. Jeffrey Lee Nashton was his name. In fact, it was said that when they took him to the hospital and began to work on him, he had so many tubes coming out of his body that he looked more like a machine than a man. And one of his commanding officers came to visit him to see how he was doing in the hospital and barely moving and barely being able to really hold it together the the officer there in the bed Jeffrey asked him if he would just give him a pen and a paper with all the strength that he could muster Jeff began to write on that piece of paper and he wrote two words two simple words he wrote to his commanding officer after being wounded severely after just sitting there in that hospital just a couple days after a bomb that's senseless went off, he wrote the two words, Semper Fi. That's a Latin word that the Marines use that means always faithful. Through all of that tragedy, you know what Jeffrey could think of? I got to be faithful. This morning, God has called you and I to be stewards. That's a responsibility. In that responsibility, he's called you and me to be trustworthy. Are you trustworthy? In that trustworthiness, he says, just put your eyes on Christ. Let me ask you this morning, are you ready to answer that call? 2018, it's a new year. Are you ready to say, listen, 2018, God, you can count on me. I'll be that steward. I'll be that person that is faithful. Faithfulness is more than just sitting in a pew. It's more than just coming to a class. No, it's, it's being a steward. It's being faithful and trustworthy. It's pursuing Christ beyond everything else. Are you ready to answer that call? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and Father, for the Apostle Paul as he 
shared with these Christians at Corinth, what it really means to be faithful. Father, it's so easy sometimes to lose sight of what really matters. It's easy to lose sight, Father, of what it means to be faithful. And we can get into a routine and we can convince ourselves that faithfulness is something of how I'm doing God a favor. Oh, but Father, that we would realize this morning that faithfulness is more than attendance. Faithfulness has to do with our motives. It has to do with our actions. It has to do with who we are. I pray that this morning we would answer the call to be faithful. This year would be a year where we don't drop off, but where we keep moving forward. We could also say, Semper Fi, always faithful to our Lord. Oh, Father, I pray that you would help us this year to do just that. As the piano is playing, I just wonder if there are some this morning that would say, Pastor, if you would just pray for me. I want to be faithful this year. Last year is already over. There's no going back on that. But this year, this year I want to be faithful. Would you just pray for me? Just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. If that's your desire, God bless you. I see those hands. Anyone else? God bless you. I see those hands. Perhaps there's others that said, listen, I was, I was faithful, praise God, in 2017, but I want to recommit for 2018. I want to be faithful. Pray for me, Pastor, anyone like that. Amen. Father, this morning, I saw hands, but you saw hearts. And Father, I pray that by your Spirit, they would be empowered now to live a life that is faithful. Oh, Father, we would not just be settled with being someone that is just present, but understanding that we have been made stewards today. Oh, Father, there's so many different men and women here this morning that have so many different talents and so many different abilities to serve you that you've called them on a specific thing. Father, I don't know what it is for each and every person here, but I know it's to be active in their local church. Father, I pray that they would receive that responsibility seriously and that they would do all that they can to remain faithful through it all. Empower us, help us, we ask, in Jesus' precious name, amen.